0: You are listening to Genuine Chit Chat. This show is for real.
1: Hello there, guys, and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week, I'm joined by the Italian comic book artist, Paolo Villanelli so if you aren't aware paolo villanelli has done some work for dc marvel and a few other places as well but where i recognize his work most from is his star wars comics which obviously are under the marvel banner most recently he has done the bounty hunters comics which is an ongoing series and ties in with the war of the bounty hunters and he has also done the lando double or nothing mini series and a few more so his artwork is something that any Star Wars comic readers would recognize and he has done some bits and pieces here for marvel as well now, this conversation does not focus just on Star Wars, so you don't need to worry about that. We speak mainly about sort of the day in the life of being a comic book artist. So I want to ask Paolo questions, you know, like what's the relation between the artists and the writers, and then between the artists and the color artists, the editors. I want to ask about like time scales and things, how much freedom they get, what they prefer doing, how they work, you know, is it digitally, is it pen to paper, variant covers, how they're made and commissioned, what Paolo loves and dislikes drawing. Those sort of things is basically what we tell in this whole conversation so although i know him from star wars work it is not star wars centric so you do not have to have seen any star wars movies to understand or appreciate this conversation However, I will say, if you do want to hear more Star Wars conversations, then please check out episode 110 of Genuine Chit Chat, where I speak to author Claudia Gray, who wrote a great many Star Wars books, including Master and Apprentice, Lost Stars, and more recently some of the High Republic novels as well. In episode 121, I spoke to Dominic Pace, who is an actor. He is in the Mandalorian series 1, episodes 1 and 3, I think. And then also I spoke in episode 138 to Alex and Molly of Star Wars Explained, and they are some quite prolific Star Wars YouTubers. And it's also worth mentioning here that the video version for this conversation will be uploaded shortly after this audio version is uploaded. So if you aren't already subscribed to Genuine Chit Chat over on YouTube, please go and do that. Let's try and push the subscriber numbers up over 100 and then I can change the channel link name from Gobbledygook to Genuine Chit Chat. And you get to see the video versions of some great other conversations that I have had recently as well. Uh, So lots of fun stuff over there and also that's why I upload all my Star Wars Comics and Canon episodes as well or you can just check the feed of Comics in Motion. But all of these details are in the description including a link to Genuine Chit chit chat and also my star wars show and all the guest spots i've been doing as well recently too so make sure you check that out make sure you rate and review and all that sort of jazz and i'll be back at the end of this conversation to give you guys some insight on what's coming up my patreon and all the other sort of background bits and pieces so um without further ado i give you paolo villanelli welcome to genuine chit chat where we have honest conversations with interesting people and i'm your host mike burton There we go. So I am joined today by Paolo Villanelli. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, Paolo. I mean, I've been admiring your work uh, both for Star Wars and for Marvel stuff for quite a while, and obviously you've uh, been—you've done a lot of work for various different publishers, which it's amazing to see that your name is slowly getting wider and wider. You know, I just. I just think that your art style is so incredible and so interesting. So this whole conversation is just me trying to learn about it. Because I, I am terrible at drawing. I, I can barely <laughs> even draw stick men. Um, so obviously, bouncing off of that sort of premise, when you were younger, have you always been you know drawing? Were you always doodling in like your notebook and things at, at school and whatnot? Like how did the passion for being an artist kind of start?
2: Uh, well, uh, first of all, thank you very much, Mike, um, for the introduction. Uh, so basically, I started uh, drawing since I was a very little kid. Uh, it started because my parents used to buy me comic books, so I started, you know, looking at what I both uh, comics and you know trying to copy the pages because mm-hmm. the drawings were so crazy. I loved it, and then at some point in my life, uh, I started, you know, drawing things uh, from my own imagination. And then suddenly I realized that I was going to you know learn in a in a comic book school mm-hmm. uh how to do how to make it a job out of it because in my head it was not possible to to have a job in comics in american mm-hmm. comics yeah. Italy. but i um, back in the day uh the, the very first italian Italian artists were starting to show up in the american market like uh Uh, or uh, Di Giandomenico, the very first Italian invasion in uh, American comics started uh, during the early 2000s. And so I started, I realized that it could be, it could be done. So I started talking with some friends and I realized that uh, I could actually, you know, take some classics, learning uh, something more specific. And and I had great teachers and I made it. At some point, I was doing comics, and it was pretty amazing.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: I mean, so have you just always been? Because um, you're in Italy right now. Have you always been based in Italy for the entirety of your sort of uh, comic and artistry career?
2: Yeah, yes, basically, I've always uh, stayed in Italy. Oh in meanwhile, uh, before doing comics, I actually uh, took a degree mm. in uh, economics because I was still I was not sure about what to do with my life, so. I took kind of a you know a break <laughs> wow. from uh, from college. <laughs> and uh, so I I traveled a while. I stayed uh, I stayed in England for a while, mm. uh, working uh, in different places, and then I came back to Italy. And I realized I, I wanted to do comics. Wow! Uh, but I mainly stayed in England. <laughs>
1: yeah wow that's really cool obviously good for me <laughs> obviously it was all, England is so much closer to Italy because my um, my girlfriend is Italian so her family yes. I call them the mountain folk because they're from Bergamo so they're right near Lake Garda so yes. they're just all hidden in the mountains they're pasty yep. and there's like no town at all <laughs> lovely people great food but yeah no skin complexion at all and they drink a lot yes <laughs> that was the surprising thing it was just like always just wine with every meal it was just wine and espressos that was it with lovely food yes. which was great it's great fun going on holiday over there um, <laughs> so i want to ask when it comes to uh comics and artistry and things say uh, a day in the life of paolo villanelli so do you stand? Do you do like you know eight hours a day, Monday to Friday? Do you um, can you do less or more than that? How much do you generally uh, work, or as much
2: as you your employers think you do? Because you can <laughs> just in case. <laughs> yes, uh, I hope nobody at Marvel is listening now. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, um, um it depends. I mean, uh, when I started and I was you know trying to get as much work as I could, uh, you know, have uh, I used to work like. Uh, seven days a week, like ten to twelve hours. It was crazy, and it's something that I now tell some of my students because I started teaching as well. Oh, wow. Comics. Uh, I try to tell, do not do that. It's, it's some at some point, it's just just bad for you. It, mm-hmm. it, it actually, your art gets sloppy, and uh, if your point, if your uh, objective is just to have your your name uh, in the comic book stands. Um, that's not the right way. It's true. You'll have a lot of publications, but then the quality of your art will, uh, will just, you know, luck in some, in some way. Uh, so right now I try to keep it to Monday to Saturday and basically about, yes, eight hours, like any other job. The good thing is that, uh, I can actually, uh, you know, uh, move my work schedule, uh, depending on my, in my needs. If I have to take uh, you know, a weekend off, uh, you know, go somewhere I can, you know, adjust things. And I always try to keep uh, two to three days before deadline mm-hmm. to finish my project because I know that something is going to happen <laughs> and it's going to, you know, <laughs> shift my plans. <laughs> and, and, and so I, I try to... Sometimes it's good because uh, I finish early and I'm just, you know, taking a break, relaxing. Uh, sometimes uh, just, you know, I use that those days to go back on the pages and, uh, uh fix some stuff I'm not happy with. Hmm. But yeah, it's, it's usually, you know, the six days a week, eight hours, uh, no more or no less. Sometimes no. less. If I, if I get lucky, less. Sometimes there are those days that uh, you can't really, you know, uh, make the page work and you're stuck. So you have to give up and move on. And so you wasted the loads of time. <laughs> but, that happens
1: to everyone. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, my job is nowhere near as exciting as yours. I just work, I work in insurance, so it's not exciting dealing with claims and things. Which is yeah. yeah. So when it comes to like uh, doing artwork and things with uh, your comics, so do you do you do it in a linear order? So do you you know do the first because obviously you get the script from the writer. Do you just go start to finish, or do you do some of the more tasking things like big fights and stuff? Is is there an order that you generally do it in? Um, that as well
2: depends on the script but I usually uh, that depends on the writers as well uh, lately I worked uh, now it's two years I've been working with Ethan Sachs mm-hmm. and uh, he he's always got me of a full script. When I get a full script it's fine I, just, I mean I just have to start from page one and so on and it's good because I can actually start and visualize the full story uh, from the very beginning. Sometimes you don't get you you know things going on and so you get off of the script, and so on. So uh, that depends. Sometimes, uh, because lately Ethan has started uh, giving me a lot of freedom for uh, all the action sequence. So I, you know, you get like page 5 to 7 uh Paolo these two characters have to fight. You can do whatever you like. Mm-hmm. Uh, those pages, uh, yeah, that sounds really cool until you get on the page and you realize that, oh my god. <laughs> now, what what's gonna happen now? And <laughs> so you start realizing I don't know I don't have enough pages. Uh, do, um, there are too many panels, uh, too few, and so in those cases, sometimes I try to you know keep those pages uh, for the last part uh, of the deadline because I want to you know uh, work on all stuff that's more complicated that needs more backgrounds. At the beginning when I'm still, you know, quite rested. And because every time you get to the end of the project, uh, it's always going to be the part where you are just tired and you want to see the end of a comic book. And <laughs> uh, so you, you start to get, you know, a little bit sloppier, and like, ah, maybe I'm not going to draw all those, you know, pouches on some bad character. I don't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> but that depends on the script. Uh, sometimes I, if I know that for uh, a bad month, I got lots of stuff to do, uh, not just regarding comics. Maybe I got, uh, I don't know. Maybe I got stuff to do, or maybe I got commissions, or I got covers. I try to keep uh, some pages that I think are gonna be easier for me for the very end, because I know that they're gonna help me if I'm getting late. Or also, if I have a double, a double page. Uh, better try to squeeze it in a one day that means that i'm trying to that I'm actually saving time mm. but it depends it's a it, a lot of factors but I, I i remember that one of my teachers of the comic school told me that he used to start from the first five pages and the last five because those are the pages that a reader are gonna remember oh. the part in the middle yeah, you just want to go on reading and get to the end of a comic book, so you're not really paying attention. But the very first and the very last are always the pages that are gonna stick in the mind of a uh, mm-hmm. reader. I try to keep that in mind now because I still think uh, I think it's a sound. Uh,
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's something I hadn't really considered, but it makes sense, yeah. Because when you when you get a new comic and the first thing you open to and you see that, especially with things as, as iconic as Star Wars, and then you know when you're like, oh, I can't wait for the next issue, and you look at that last panel and it's like, I need more, and so that's the thing that people stare at. So that, that's very good advice. Very clever. And yeah, of interest with um, someone like Ethan, because obviously you've been working with Ethan for the the Bounty Hunters run, uh, which excellent comic series, and I've been tackling that on my other show. Um, but the mm-hmm. Out of interest, when it comes to, if we say Ethan specifically as a writer, when it comes to, obviously he lets you have freedom with certain elements like the fight scenes and things, when it comes to other elements, so for example, when there's the first panel of a comic, does he say, you know, there has to be a skyline, there has to be this, there has to be that, or how much detail are you given in general when it comes to, obviously the script, you know what the general plot is, but when it comes to like shots Mm. or anything like that, or are you given almost total freedom?
2: Um that depends on the setting, uh actually uh if I remember correctly uh there is uh that the those issues where dengar and balance are together on the pirate ship mm-hmm. and they are actually traveling uh and that page started like okay dengar and balance we see the ship the pirate ship from the outside then we go inside dengar ship of dengar and balance are fighting and uh, that was like uh Basically, he was basically telling me do whatever you want. Mm. But then we have uh, the issues settled uh, settled settle in uh, Narshada, mm-hmm. the Smugglers Moon. Yeah, and both were like, we we have a big uh, opening shot of uh, the skyline of Narshada, and that actually is actually saying me we want to see the, the Smugglers Moon. Right. We want to give a good sense of uh of this crazy. The amazing place in the Star Wars universe. So, uh, that's actually, it's basically 90% of the time is up to me, but there are definitely, uh, parts that are actually, where it is actually saying we need to see a lot of stuff. We need to see a lot of detail. And even if he's not clearly telling me that that's, mm. uh, but so usually here yeah, with
1: I see. I see. Yeah, that makes sense. And also in line with with that, like I'm interested as well by sort of panels and things. Because I said I've not really spoken to many artists and things. So when it comes to like the paneling as well, is that something that you as an individual have to sort? Is that something that say uh, Marvel say, oh, it has to be in this kind of general structure? Do you get quite a bit of freedom for it? How's the paneling work?
2: Um, I uh, I actually never had uh, many. You know, directions or guidelines, and that mm. uh, what I have is basically uh, the structure that uh, the writer tells me. So it's just page page one, page two, five panels, four panels. Uh, what I can do is actually uh, reading the script. If you realize that there is something that, uh, as a visual artist, I can uh, make work without a panel or mm. with an extra panel. I usually tell the editor and the writer, look, this is what the page looks like. And I give them options. I draw the page as the, uh, just layouts, of course. Uh, I give them the option with a uh, from straight from the script and then I give them my idea. Hmm. And that usually, it usually ends with a, a nice discussion about it because it's something that many writers are very, most of the writers are good, are cool with. I mean, they know that the artists are there just to to give uh, the visual input, so they're perfectly fine with uh, seeing what the their scene actually looks like, mm. in a pra- more practical way.
1: Yeah. Yeah and it must be like as you as like a comic run because i know that obviously you've done one-off issues and you've also done some of the mini series things like you know lando double or nothing which was excellent as well you really Mm. it looks exact same like when you you see even just the covers you open that up and you see all of the uh, artwork inside you you could immediately like that see it's lando so kudos to you for that but obviously with a mini series where you've only got a few season uh, a few issues to do or compared to something like bounty hunters which obviously is an ongoing series i think at the moment we're on issue like 16 17 ish we're in the middle of the war of the bounty hunters crossover event which is mental um so with like the ongoing series do you find that with bounty hunters it's a bit easier once you kind of get into it so now that you're on probably issue 20 or whatever what you're doing now is it easier because you know you've done the uh characters a lot of them before you kind of know the general vibe that ethan is going for would you say that that's generally easier for the ongoing series than it is for either limited series or one issues
2: well, that's definitely easier because, uh, one thing that happens whenever you draw comics is that when you start doing a series or a mini or a mini, uh, the first time you draw a character is definitely not going to look like, like last page <laughs> because you learn something while drawing all those pages, all those action scenes, all those, you know, emotion reactions. And it's just, a very, you know, it's, it's very clear that the very first issues are not going to look like the last ones. And in this sense, uh, Bounty has proven easier on the long, on the long run. Cause of course I have 17 issues mm. so far to work on a those characters. The tricky part is that we got a huge cast of characters mm. and every issues we have to, to, to put something new inside every. Uh, I blame Ethan for this. <laughs> every, every time he's like, okay, we're going to need a new character for this scene. And I'm like, oh my God, another <laughs> one. <laughs> but it's fun because I, you, you have a chance to, 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 make things for the Star Wars universe. And it's, uh, since this is not part of the, the main storyline, we, we're not meddling with a Jedi or, or Sith. So we don't care about those people. We just want, you know, good, uh, Good blaster fights, and so these characters are actually uh, they they have a bit of a higher degree of freedom
0: mm-hmm. when we
2: create them. They they are not very relevant to the main story. So Lucasfilm actually gives us a lot of freedom, and it's actually great because you have a chance to to do stuff uh, easy <laughs> in a very easy way.
1: Yeah, I can imagine because obviously you did, um, I think it was the Age of Republic special, you know, quite a while ago and things. And obviously the Age of series are all tackling, especially Republic, it's prequel era. So you have to make everyone look in this specific thing. Yeah. You can't really have anyone like die or anything crazy. It's just a little insulated yeah, exactly. story. <laughs> Whereas obviously with Bounty Hunters, you know, you've got the, the heavy hitters, you've got, you know, Boba Fett, you've got Bosk, you've got those sort of people who, you know, certain ones, because Bounty Hunters that is set between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, obviously Boba Fett can't die because he's in Return of the Jedi but when you've got a character like um, Baylor Valance who although they were in Legends a little bit and I wasn't aware of him being in Legends until I read Bounty Hunters so I was like this guy's really cool. He's a cyborg. Let's look up more info on him. And I was, like, oh, he was back in like the seventies and the eighties when it was really crazy, uh, off the wall stuff. So with obviously characters like him, who you can basically do anything because aside from the small amount of Legends history, which obviously isn't canon anymore, he's basically a comic character because he started off in Han Solo Imperial Cadet, then he was in Target Vader. And now he's obviously at the helm of his own series, which is, uh, it's incredible. So when it comes to, you know, creating characters, are you told like about the species? So for example, in Bounty Hunters, especially in the first um sort of uh, volume or so, there's a Nakano Lash, who is a Nautilan. So for people listening, the best comparison i do is Kit Fisto. That's the uh, oh, with yes. the tentacles and things. He's great. And it's my girlfriend's favourite, uh, like a Jedi, actually, funnily enough. So when I saw um Nakano Lash, I was like, oh, it's a, you know, a female uh Nautilun and things. Did did um Ethan say to you, oh, it needs to be a female Nautilan, or does he say it's just a character kind of do what you want with like I'm interested in that realm of do you get to choose the species or is that more to the writer
2: um, that, that as well depends on the one on what Ethan is planning for Nakano Ethan had this idea from the very beginning that she was gonna be Uh, mm. uh for other characters it was actually uh, open to, to discussion so we actually had a chance uh, to pitch different ideas and to say, you know what, uh, we're going to go for a different, uh, for a alien looking characters. Now we're going to make them human and so on. And it was actually funny because, uh, like, uh, I think it's an issue, uh, 14 or something when they are on a shot again and, uh, Dengar is actually taking balance uh, to, uh, to the older woman, mm. uh, the old mechanic. And yes. that character, I was basically, you know, okay, you can do whatever you want this one. So I was just like, okay, whatever. It's, she's an old woman. She's tough. And I'm going to draw her like uh, this old lady that runs uh, the the cafe next to my studio. <laughs> so, yeah, because uh, whatever. <laughs> and this is actually, so it depends on the situation. If uh, Ethan or if uh, Lucasfilm has uh, already an input on the mind, uh, I get a, uh, I get, uh, you know, some uh, very uh, directions. Uh, if not, I'm actually open for discussions, and uh, I can usually make it uh, away with a lot of stuff. <laughs>
0: i hope so
1: <laughs> <laughs> well i know that you said in one of the previous conversations i listened to of yours you it's quite exciting sometimes when you can do like stuff in the background so it's like okay yes. so in the main shot you've got you know valance and dengar fighting here but they're fighting a national we've got two pages of this you can just have little things that oh there's a person with a market stall, you know like and stuff like that which is, is really interesting and sort of bouncing off the element still obviously in the collaboration sense obviously you and ethan and the, the writers of the comics need to uh, discuss things quite heavily now when when it comes to color artists um because obviously most i wasn't aware till i started getting into primarily star wars comics and things i was just like oh there's a writer and there's an artist it's like no there's so many more people involved in that <laughs> when it comes to the the colors do you speak with the color artists themselves to kind of say what you think they should be or is that the editor like how how does the coloring how, how does it translate from what you know ethan to you to the color artists how does that work
2: uh that depends. Uh, I mean, sometimes you get a chance to work with people you already know, mm. uh, like I did on the Bounty answer series. Um, in that case, you don't really need to, you know, have discussed very much because completely trust mm. in the colorists. Sometimes I just leave in the uh, Harif Pianto, who's been my colorist so far, uh, small notes uh, inside my files when I send them over. But like hidden so he when he's opening them for coloring he gets the notes and it's like okay but he, if not uh the editors are usually very good at guiding uh the colors uh in this sense but we've already had a chance to work with him also on the fallen order video game prequel
1: mm, yeah dark temple that was excellent
2: with Arif, uh, we already had a chance to work in the past so it was actually uh, easier for me uh, on Bonky Uh, while on the Fallen Order prequel, uh, we had to, you know, talk a lot about stuff. But it was usually okay because we have, as I say, the edit- good editors, uh, helping us out. So it really depends on the situations. And, uh, sometimes, uh, editors, uh, don't let, uh, artists and the uh, colors communicate that much because they're basically afraid that we're gonna waste a lot of time. So the light, like the like to take control of a um. of a thing, and say, okay, you gotta do this and this, uh, and uh, that's pretty much it. But I always get a chance to, you know, review the colors in the end. So uh, it's usually cool.
1: Hmm, that's very interesting. And so, still in the same vein of illustrations, um. I because I, obviously you said about you sending files over and things, and obviously we're in the digital age. That's how we're communicating, mm. and so you know, back in well, back decades ago, you know, people I assume would do everything hand drawn and then kind of send it off to the printing press and kind of go from there. So now, is it just do you have a um, like I assume you have some sort of software where you you have got one of those special pens and you like draw on that and it goes on the screen? I'm just interested by. How as much as you can say, almost like what vaguely software do you use, and do you find that drawing digitally is as satisfying or as easy in some ways as drawing, say, pen to paper?
2: So I'm actually working on a vacuum uh, pro hardware uh, machine, mm. and I use uh, mainly Clip Studio Paint, the software uh, mm. for working on in comics. Uh, it's a great software, and in the last decade, uh, it's proven to be. Uh, one of the best uh, softwares for doing comics because it's a uh, mainly studied just for comics.
0: Mm. While
2: uh, an other products like Photoshop are uh, are really, really uh, demanding for your uh, computer because it's a uh, software that's uh, developed mainly for doing everything you have on your mind. So yeah. it's from for uh, photos, 3D, and uh, drawing illustration. And, uh, so it's, it's, it's probably, uh, it was in the past the only software, but now that uh, Clip Studio has proven to be uh, reliable and uh, even better than Photoshop for some stuff, Hmm. it's uh, probably the number one software that artists use uh, at the moment. And uh, I think that, uh, right now there's, there's a lot of stuff you can do digitally. So. Uh, I've seen artists doing stuff, but it's completely out of this world, uh, digitally. And I don't think they could do that on paper. But at the same time, if you know how to do stuff on paper, you can do the same thing digitally. Mm. While the other way around is not always true. I see. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not really 100% interchangeable. Mm. I especially I I love doing stuff on paper yeah. because it's so satisfying. It's so fun, and this is the reason why I try to save time to do uh, covers and some of my pages uh, on paper when I can and mm. when I have time, uh, because I love to have uh, to have the time to to have fun with all that inks and stuff and nibs and uh, brushes because it's so crazy satisfying yeah uh, also, this is good for doing commissions, because of course uh, it's so it's so interesting. you have a chance to grow stuff that you're not usually even thinking about <laughs> you know? sometimes they come up with ideas about some obscure characters and they're like, Oh why no idea what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> but it's', it's okay.
1: that's that's very interesting i mean i as i said i'm not an artist by any stretch of the imagination but it's like with just podcasting alone like you know i'm i'm talking to you obviously on laptop i've got notes Uh, when i do my star wars podcast where i go through the comics and i read them and things and i um i basically make annotated notes and things it's it's absolute mess actually it's um (laughs) i'll show you and the listeners who are watching on youtube can see as well how like unbelievably messy my notes are where they're just like It's horrendous. Like, trying to read that is like hieroglyphics. (laughs) It's mental. Because I I like the... I think I like the freedom of it because when I, when I do the comics like I read through Bounty Hunters and that's something I'm tackling this week and I, I read through it all and any of the characters I recognise I go oh you know that's so, so obviously Bosque and Boba Fett are very you know iconic and things but a certain smaller characters where you go where well, have I seen that guy before and then you go oh he was in yeah, Empire Strikes Back or whatever that's the general theme of my show going through comics and talking about the connections and I like the freedom of things on paper I've always been someone who writes you know post-it notes or notebooks I said I've got four notebooks here for two podcasts one's for guests one's for this one for that so it's all I I, I get in a similar way I just I like the physically having it on paper and sticking with what you say about um, making cover art and things obviously you've made some variant covers for um, the High Republic and you've done some other cover work as well I'm interested when because there's so many different uh if I use the High Republic as an example, High Republic number one, especially because it was such a big thing that was launching. There were loads of variant covers. I think I've got about eight of them. Unfortunately, I didn't get your one, which is upsetting because your one was quite hard to get. And it's probably one of the coolest, <laughs> you know, a homage to Dave Filoni's one from Legends, Clone Wars, et cetera. But like when it comes to uh, especially yeah. variant covers, do you, how, how do they choose people? Do they just go, okay, everyone who works for Marvel, does anyone want to do a variant cover? Or do they go, okay, you, you and you, can you think of something? How, how does the cover work, especially with variants? How does that kind of work from your end?
2: Yeah. Uh, I have a very vague idea about how it works. Hmm. And I'm not entirely sure. So this is like... <laughs> Put yourself take on this <laughs> uh, Okay. Uh, okay. Sometimes they go for, you know, uh, we want these this artists because they have to say, I love this work. Okay. And that's the easy one. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, there are artists that are very famous. And so, uh, they know that the, but the artist's name is going to sell the cover. So that's why you get, you know, uh, you get Adam Hughes to draw your cover. You know, Adam Hughes is like one of the best artists for covers. Come on. He's like, the, the best probably. And so you get, you get him because, you know, you want, you want to, to make sure that, that the, the, cover, uh, that's gonna be, you know, limited and it's gonna be sold for a higher price than the regular coming. Uh, it needs to be worth it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And sometimes, uh, it also depends on the budget of a project. Every project has a budget. Co- so you, with that budget, you cover expenses and sometimes you get extras. So I believe, uh, that is a factor as well. But in terms of launching a comic, of course, you try to get as many variants out there because you need to make sure (laughs) that the very first issue is gonna sell a lot. Mm. Uh, A friend of mine has just uh, started working on Moon Knight, Mm. uh, the new series. Uh, His name is Alessandro, yeah, uh, Alessandro Capuccio, and he's done. He's doing an amazing job, and. he got the very first uh, package with all the comps from Marvel. There were tons of violent covers that that drives the sales. So, of course, uh, many readers jump in because it's the first issue and they want to learn more about characters. Then you got the diehard fans which want to, to read these new stories. Then you got collectors, they want to see the violent covers. Mm. So, that's how you drive up sales with lots of violent covers as well. I see. It, it, usually works fine sometimes it backfires <laughs> because then you see that the second issue as soon as you get rid of our covers but sales drop dropped dramatically and it's uh, <laughs> starting to look a, a little bit dy- like oops maybe we ex- we exaggerated." it yeah i see and in the world of illustration do you have
1: something that is like your your favorite thing to do so you get excited about like is there like Do you love doing covers and things? Because they're quite unique and they're quite striking and you can, I assume, take a lot more time. I I would presume, I'm not asking about the financial side of things, I would not ask those kind of questions. But, like, (laughs) I presume for time that you have to spend on a cover, like, you've got, you get paid X amount, here's the cover, you can spend X amount of hours doing that. Whereas with a comic, it's like, yeah, you get paid, you know because you get paid over a longer period of time for more money but because you have to do so many different panels and things you maybe can't do the same level of attention to detail so do you prefer generally doing like covers or obviously you mentioned about commissions people asking you to do random things or do you quite like the the serialized things like bounty hunters doing for comics i'm just interested what your kind of favorite was
2: um okay if i yeah at the same time i uh for an issue for a cover i would definitely say i love doing covers <laughs> sometimes uh this is one of the reasons why you don't get many covers done by the artists of the issue mm,
0: yeah. they're
2: all busy doing the pages so <laughs> yeah. they don't get that much time to do the cover and i love uh telling stories so for me doing the pages is actually my favorite part and uh, even if i uh i Hate the part when I start inking because it, for me it's like a repetition of stuff that I already have in my mind that I really put on paper mm. because I love the part where you start doing like pencils yeah, and you put together your story. And so you get to study, uh, the framing of the characters and all the, uh, the angles of, uh, you know, the camera for your shots and the action sequence, the layout, the general layout, and the use of black and white, and the kind of stuff is actually happens for me, uh, doing layouts and pencils. So when you get to thinking, I'm like, Oh, again, didn't I just finish that yet? Come on, another <laughs> try. <time." laughs> but for me, uh, that part is actually the best. I would love to be able to do just layouts and pencils uh, and get away with just doing that. Hmm. But since I'm working digitally, I'm, I'm also forced to working uh, to work in the inks as well because it's all um, part of the same process for me. Uh, digi- inking my pages is basically just uh, giving some definition to my lines and uh, scribbles mm-hmm. because I uh, I don't think it's, it can be called inking uh, when you work digitally. Because it's part of it, it's actually the same process. It's part of it's a part of the same process that goes on. Uh, it's very different from the tradition from the concept of digital inking.
0: From a traditional inking,
1: sorry, hmm. yeah. Because I've noticed in some of the um, in some of the Star Wars comics I've been reading and things, you know, it does often say, you know, blah 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 penciler, blah 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 inker. But in some of the newer ones, it, it says, or if you read them on, um, read them digitally. Because I've got uh, physically, I've got all the canon Star Wars comics, but you know, normally when I read them once, I'm like, okay, seal that away, put that over there. Then I get my uh, you know, Marvel Unlimited and get to scroll through all of the, the things digitally. It's just a bit easier when I'm making podcasts and stuff. And I notice that sometimes it says, you know, uh, blah 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 artist, blah 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 finish and i was like oh f- like finishes and things and i was like, oh, i see so yeah. it's is the the final touches, the definition as you've mentioned it so that, that, that brings a lot of uh, weight to it that makes sense yeah and yeah i mean it sounds so cool it's such a cool thing being able to create things in a, in a visual medium i mean it's especially with something like bounty hunters where you've just got so much freedom to be able to do so many things while still being able to kind of playing this world playing the sandbox in a way so with that in mind i know that you've done stuff for idw dc marvel and obviously star wars is under the marvel banner but you know what i mean is there any sort of world you'd especially love to get into you know there's things like judge dread or there's sort. Of, i know that um, in italy you've got a lot of cool comics and things is there anything in particular like a world you'd love to be able to sort of draw or do you have any of your own ideas of things just out of interest
2: of course i'd love to have a chance one day, uh, to work on a series on my own, like a uh, creator own project. Mm. That, that's, uh, that's gonna take a while and pretty But on the other hand, I think that one thing that I'd love to do, uh, would be to work uh, on uh, some specific characters, mm. superhero characters, uh, because I, uh, I'd love to do it to work on either uh, The Flash or DC mm. Comics. I, I love the character. Or Spider Man for Marvel mm. uh, because I these they are such iconic characters I love them uh, I've read lots of stuff uh, I feel very attached to them
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, I probably I probably feel very scared <laughs> a bit. you know a lot of pressure <laughs> yeah. from myself of course <laughs> and besides that I would love one day to work on a on a comic book that's uh, a strong horror vibe because mm. I love the horror gene and I never had a really uh, a lot of chances to work on that, uh, on that and mm. I think it's uh, something that uh, it's really uh, it really fits my art and I'd love to do something uh, uh, like that one day I don't know maybe yeah who knows. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean there are obviously certain elements of Star Wars are getting into horror. I know Kevin Scott, he's doing a lot of horror-esque things with uh, Tales of Vader's Castle and those sort of things. So, you know, get in with Kevin Scott, yes. become besties with him and then just beg him because I yes. know he's a massive
2: horror fan. <laughs> so, it would be that would be amazing. Uh. <laughs> And in the same vein... I really told then. him we need to do our stuff together.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Well, you know, yeah, this really is me told. calling out him as well. Like, Kevin Scott, let let Paolo do some cool, crazy <laughs> horror stuff because he's an excellent writer. Your visuals are incredible as well and just married together. That would be top tier. I'd be buying them. Uh, so with that as well, um, I know we're getting nearer Maybe. the end here, so um, we've got a little bit more time, but I wanted to ask when it comes to, you know, being able to do your own characters and things, this is a degree behind the scenes, but like, because obviously you're working with um you're working in the realm of Star Wars Marvel and obviously your your re- um, resume has been quite a lot you know looking at some of the things obviously you've done Vader Dark Visions you know you did Jedi Fallen Order Dark Temples mentioned you're currently doing Bounty Hunters when a new project comes up i know at the moment you're probably too busy doing bounty hunters and things but before you started doing bounty hunters and whatnot is there like um when, you're already, when you've already done work for Marvel, do you kind of just email them and go, do you have anything for me? Or do you go, hey, can I do something involving Darth Vader? Can I do something involving this or involving that? Is there like a way to request things or is it more just, you've got hope?
2: Well, usually <laughs> the people that can request uh, specific projects are the top tier artists. Uh, they usually have uh, exclusive contracts, you know. Uh. Uh, so they, they have... A- Kind of a bargaining position, mm. and uh, uh, or maybe they're just lucky. I don't know. Sometimes <laughs> you just lucky. Like, right, and, and you know, I like to the way there and it's like, oh, you know what? I got a purchase for you. Here. <laughs> <laughs> See, just kidding. <laughs> nah, never happens <laughs> uh, for me. Uh, he, it actually, it's actually been the other way around. Mm. I knocked at Marvel's door uh, many, many times. I started with doing a bit uh, you know try out pages uh, and then I started with a small staff and then when uh, I started to work with uh, some specific editors and they and since they we worked together well uh, I think they they trusted me and they decided that I was uh, fit for some project
0: mm-hmm. and
2: this is how I ended up in uh, Star Wars I had already worked on Lando and then I did the fallen order mm-hmm. uh, series uh, series and at some point, uh, I was talking uh, with uh, my editors and they, we were actually going to uh, meet at New York Comic-Con. And so when we met, they were like, okay, we have a new project for you. Do you are you interested? And I was like, I'm in. They pitched me. Actually, Ethan as well was there. So they pitched me about the and I was like, okay, come me.
0: Mm.
2: But I hope one day I can go there and just ask for another Darth Vader story
1: yeah just put that demand it say well oh, i want to draw two things han solo and darth vader that's it any stories with them because i know from a previous podcast like han solo's like your favorite star wars character which is yeah, good choice there and obviously with darth vader you said in i think the same conversation that you you really enjoy drawing darth vader as well and i always find that you know darth vader dark vision the one that you did number one that was excellent as well and i think that as a character, Darth Vader is so interesting in comic format because for someone that has no expressions, it's really down to the artist to really be able to articulate how he's feeling about things just by body language, which I think is a very underestimated and undervalued thing from a lot of people who aren't maybe in that realm. Um, so with that, like I know we're getting uh, towards the end here and things, but I wanted to ask when it comes to drawing, is there anything that you You really don't like drawing in a sense of when it comes up, you're like, oh, because I know, for example, certain artists, they don't like drawing faces because eyes and expressions can be quite difficult. Whereas other people are like, drawing fight scenes is a bit more difficult. I don't know if there's any one thing that occasionally you're like, oh, I have to do this now.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's definitely, uh, I hate drawing horses. Horses? I think that's one form. Yeah, there are nightmare. You, you have to. You, you spent years of studying human anatomy, and at some point, they came up with this crazy idea of a horse, plus some stuff that has a completely different anatomy for what you studied. <laughs> you have to draw it. And like no way, it's gonna be an alien stuff. I'm not drawing gold, but any horses. No. Okay, um, besides horses, because they well, any animal is uh, hard. Uh, horses are. I found them particularly hard. Because you have to have human interacting with them hmm. uh, very closely because, you know, you have to write yours. Yeah. And so they're, they're very annoying. Besides that, I think the other thing that I really hate drawing, and I, it happens all the time. Thank you, Ethan. It's crowds. You oh. get lots of crowds. And uh, I like, oh, my God. At some point, that you start running out of ideas for uh, uh, alien stuff to draw in the background. That's
1: that's week one. That must be part of the fun, though, of Star Wars in some way, because unlike you know, if you had to draw crowds in like Spider Man, for example, you know, basically everyone has to be a person. That's generally how it is. Whereas at least in Star Wars, it's like, if I draw this and that person looks a bit weird, it's not because I'm a bad artist or I didn't have time. He's a new species. (laughs) You've kind of got that freedom. (laughs) Colorist,
2: do it blue, please.
1: (laughs) Exactly. That's not... I didn't draw his eye badly. He's meant to look like that. Um, So what do you do, like... Outside of obviously illustrations and things, is your passion obviously, and that's something okay. obviously you've built a career on. And it's it's so interesting hearing that you you have got um, qualification in economics, and you then you you're a comic artist, it's yeah. excellent. But what do you um, aside <laughs> from drawing and things? Is there anything that you like doing as a, like a general hobby or things that aren't specifically to do with
2: drawing? Well, um, I like sports, and video mm-hmm. games. Uh, so that's an easy one. <laughs> I uh, like 90% of the people in Europe. <laughs> and, uh, besides, and I, I particularly love, uh, all the video games from the Dark Souls franchise mm. and Bloodborne and similar. Uh, they help me get rid of a lot of stress. Um, and besides that, yes, <laughs> dying dying. <laughs> and besides that, I love, I also love, uh, to play Warhammer.
0: Mm. Uh,
2: which is a, a great. Uh, so it's such a fun hobby for me. I yeah. love uh, both the part of playing the game, so you know, getting together with friends and playing uh, some Warhammer. Uh, also, the part of painting and converting miniatures. Yeah. Uh, that's so. That's so. Relax. The problem is that I don't have enough time for that. Mm. I wish I had enough time. Usually, when I get to finish my army. Uh, they got so bad because it uh the the, the reels have been out so long and so I have to move on something else. <laughs> that, uh, that that's a great hobby that I really helps uh get rid of stress.
1: Mm, i can imagine and you can it's like your own you've got no one telling you what to do or how to do things you can go i'm gonna make this little <sighs> guy have green armor and i can just go at my own pace and things because i've got a few friends who love warhammer exactly. uh and you know I'm, I'm in the you know nerdy realm uh, in essence so I, I i'm aware of it all <laughs> it's just one of those things it's like if i had unlimited time unlimited money and no job i would definitely that's be exactly. involved in that sort of thing but it's like i can only do so much <laughs> with my time yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah yes it's- exactly yeah and it's with you saying like with Dark Souls and things is um, I can it, saying that Dark Souls relaxes you is quite funny because obviously it's so difficult when you're dying all the time. But you know I know you say that in jest. <laughs> exactly. but it's like uh, that must yes. be great for like, horror. Like your your influence of wanting to do horror. It's like you must get so many great ideas from the Dark Souls and Bloodborne and things because just the some of the sprites and the images in there is phenomenal. Some of the bosses you're like, how did someone
2: think of that? Like
1: what is that being coming at me? I,
2: uh, <laughs> I played Dark Souls the very first time, like, uh while Dark Souls 2 was out, and yeah. I was I got interested because everyone was talking about it, and I was like, okay, I've never played this series. I don't know anything about it. I'm just going to get the first game and play it. And I was, like, blown away. I had no idea what it was getting into. And so the very first time you see this horrible boss coming towards you. It's a dragon. Now, it completely flips and it's just a gaping mouth with fool and you're like, oh, I'm not going to beat that. <laughs> it was pure horror. It was incredible. And I think it's a great franchise for that. Um It gets you the very feeling. It, it actually fucks you a lot because mm-hmm. uh, it gives you the feeling from the very start that you cannot make it. And um, That's half of the power of the game. If you think you cannot beat the boss or that enemy, you're not going to make it because you got so much pressure and then you got the music and then you got uh, the sounds and you're like, it's not going to make So it's crazy good. I love it. And I think it relaxes me because uh, I just switch off all my problems and I completely focus on the game. Mm. And uh, even if I... I don't, it's, I'm not like playing 20 hours a day. Sometimes I play a couple of hours if I have a chance. So it's just a good way to get rid of a, of a word uh, side and uh, focusing on something different. Even if it means uh, swearing a lot. <laughs>
1: awesome um well i'll ask it that the last or question here and then I'll, I'll i'll let you get back to your your day thank you so much for your time and okay. things i want to just ask generally speaking obviously you can't tell us about things that are coming up in the future but when you're working on something how how far in advance is that normally? So, you know, with obviously Bounty Hunters at the moment coming out is like issues 16, 17, I think around that realm. And I presume you're on probably issue 20 or th- something onwards. Mm-hmm. Is it just a vague idea? How many months in advance are you uh, working on things before they release on average?
2: So, uh, on a comic project, you usually start uh, on the first issue about six months before mm. uh, the actual release. Because the idea is that you get, uh, you have to be uh, like free is- doing the, the free issues after you have to have those three issues uh, already done by the time the first issue comes out. Right. So you're actually finishing number four when number one is out. And um, but that's for you know general series and stuff. Uh, when it comes to uh, a regular series, of course, uh, that uh, window of times gets narrower and narrower and narrower because you work, of course, you don't have like a single month to do a comic book but you have like uh, a month and a half. And then you have, you know, to the colors and lettering and stuff and corrections. Then Lucas comes and say, Oh, you just the wrong character. Go back to, to what? And, uh, so, uh, <laughs> yeah. And this is the reason why you get, you get, uh, you have to get, you know, other artists to fill in a while, uh, so you can manage to get some extra time. Mm. And, uh, so it's usually about free issues. Uh, you're always working on free issues later, uh, besides from what is catching the on the shelves. So I'm actually working on issue 20. Uh, I'm, I'm nearly done. And, uh, if in case any editor is watching me, <laughs> <laughs> uh, issue 16, uh, is, uh, has been out for a while. I think issue 17 is going to be out very soon. Mm. Yeah. So that's basically the main idea. Unless you're working on a create wrong, in that case, you can make your own rules and you can get, you know, after like 10, 12 issues, you're like, okay, I'm going to take a break. Uh, or maybe you're going to say, okay, the next issue is going to be in two months. Mm-hmm. So it gets bi-monthly from that moment on, and it's easy. There are some series that are actually bi-weekly, and I heard some crazy stories uh, about those, and it's usually, uh those issues are are usually featuring uh, many artists, because they have to keep, it's impossible for a single artist to keep up with a bi-weekly <laughs> series, unless you have, like, 10, 12 issues already done by the time issue one itself. It's crazy over what.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. But, you know, pal, thank you so much for coming on the show and giving all of my audience, you know, a look of what it's like being a, a comic book artist because it's something that, you know, I've spoken to a couple of authors and things and although it's always interesting speaking with someone who is, you know, the writer and things, it's I think you, you guys are all very undervalued in a sense of how much you actually contribute to you know the comic realm especially obviously it's a very visual medium you know everything is so striking and things but also especially with something like star wars which is you know every every comic issue even though you've said before you know bounty hunters it's not at the forefront it's not the most popular star wars content you know it's normally movies then series then probably games then books then comics generally but even with comics there are so many things that happen in there that affects the canon, like. Who knows how long afterwards? And it's like the, the ripple effect in a sense, you know, all the stuff going on with Han Solo and the bounty hunter stuff at the moment is incredible. So I want to thank you for that and telling us uh, about some of the information and things. So, um, I just want to say, is, is there anything final that you wanted to say and anywhere people can find you? Obviously, we connect on Instagram. So I include the link to that in the description. I didn't know if there's anywhere else people can find you and if you have any sort of final statements before we uh, finish the
2: call. Thank you so much for your time, first of all. And, uh, so you can find me on social media, like Instagram and Twitter. And uh, besides uh, what well, I can say, making comics it's hard, but you can do it. You just have to work hard, really, really hard. That's the advice I give all the students. Uh, the students who don't make it are usually the ones who are not willing to work. I've seen lots of people with great talent. But no will to work hard, uh, getting lost, uh, during the years. So you need, you need talent, of course, but you need the will to work. That's mm. it. That's the only advice I can give. Besides the obvious one you can find in any book about anatomy <laughs> perspective and so on.
1: Aside from maybe don't uh, give yourself too much to do, because I know you said well, prior you were like doing work for like two ongoing series at once, and you were just like had no top at all to be able to do anything. So it's just like have a good work ethic, okay. that- but not too much of a good work ethic, so you got to do. <laughs> yeah, that comes later. That's
2: a different problem
1: for later on when you get the jiff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful! Well, this is where I'll, I'll stop the call then. But yeah, thank you so much again, uh, Paula. It's been an absolute delight speaking with you. My pleasure. And that's the end of the podcast. Thanks, as always, for tuning in, guys. Please make sure you follow Paolo Villanelli on Twitter and on Instagram. And if you feel like it, please tweet at him or comment on his Instagram posts and tell him how much you enjoyed him showing up on this show. It was so much fun chatting with him. It was really good to see the sort of behind-the-scenes stuff. And, you know, any additional interaction with him would really benefit the show. In addition to that, guys, as I said in the intro, check out episodes 110, 121, and 138 for other Star Wars-centric conversations. And as I said, although you're now at the end of the conversation, you can go over to YouTube, subscribe, see if we can get the subscriber numbers over 100, and also you get to see some video versions of conversations I've had, including one with Michael McCormick, who is the puppeteer, as well as some of the recent conversations I've had have got video as well. So lots of fun things over there, if you so desire. Uh, And in addition to that, please make sure you follow me on social media at Genuine chit chat on Instagram, Twitter and on Facebook, and then you can be kept up to date with snippets for a lot of my conversations. Well every conversation I have that's an interview style on genuine chit chat, I put up a little snippet of that so you guys can kind of dip your toes in to see if it seems like the kind of thing you want to listen to in full. I also put photos up of my Star Wars comics as well as some other bits and pieces about my life, including you know what films I'm watching, I put stuff in my story, occasionally about my tortoise, you know, that sort of tomfoolery. So if you want to follow me on social media for that sort of stuff, please go over and do that. So what have we got coming up then? Well, I recently recorded an episode on the Talking Dad UK podcast, so I went on to Jamie's show. And then this coming Monday, he's going to be coming on my show. So that will probably be up in, I presume, two weeks. Uh, Next week, I am also due to speak with Frank Burton, who's been on my show quite a few times in the past. He's written a new book, so we're going to talk about that and a few other bits and pieces as well. Uh, In addition to that... I have got a guest who was on ages ago who seems to be returning in December called Brad Sugars. I also am hoping to have Chris Brayton of the I Like to Like Things podcast on my show again before the year is out. I want to have Jesse McKinnon on as well to talk about End of the World stuff, so quite a few cool things there. Uh, in addition to that, I've also been guesting on a few shows. So I already mentioned the Talking Dad UK podcast. I don't think that's going to be out for another week or so, so you don't need to worry about that quite yet. But I was on the Hall of Mears podcast, which I've put a link in the description for. There's a standard like, podcast audio version, but then there's also the video version as well so you can watch either of those. I've also been on Star Wars Timeline three times now, and the fourth time will be up very soon. So I spoke to Ben about The Force Awakens in detail, about our thoughts on how it worked, what didn't work. The same with The Last Jedi, and then we did one recently of The Rise of Skywalker. So if you want to hear some Star Wars-centric conversations, make sure you check out that on YouTube. Links are in the description. I also recently appeared on the Beer Nuts production podcast. Uh, As you guys know, Golf of Beer Nuts has been on this show, I think, about four times now, and he's probably going to come on again for the fifth time, early 2022, and I went on to his podcast. So if you want to hear, like, a 25 minute conversation where someone is asking me questions for a change uh, then make sure you check that out you can either just search for bin production podcast and then scroll and one of the most recent ones will be with me or you can click the link to spotify in the description the only other things to do or this, guys, would be to please share the show on social media, on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook with your friends. Uh, whether or not you tag a genuine chit-chat in there is completely up to you, but share it across the interwebs. Let people hear it. Uh, tell your friends about it, that sort of thing. If you don't want to share it on social media and don't want to talk to people about it, then you've got plenty of other options to support the show. You can rate and review and things, so you can go on Good Pods. you can go on Apple Podcasts, you can go on I think it's Podmatch. There's lots of places where you can leave reviews and whatnot, so if you could leave a review either just a, you know, out of five Stars, or if you leave like an actual typed up review, it really helps us climb up the charts, and it helps a lot more people, sort of, you know, get into the show. Especially when they see we've got a high number of review- reviews, it makes new listeners more inclined to subscribe and be regular listeners too. But if you don't want to review, you don't want to share on social media, you don't want to tell your friends about it, but you do want to spare an extra one or two pound a month. Well, I've got a Patreon, patreoncom slash chat Link to it is in the description. For as little as one pound a month, you get access to the special audio feed. And And you get several hours of additional content every month. At this moment of recording there's I think over like 10 hours of additional content on there where myself and Megan have been on road trips. I've done comic reviews. We've done TV and movie reviews. Some have been spoiler free. Some have been spoiler filled. We've done a lot of Halloween slash horror orientated ones recently. Uh, We've done one for Venom Let There Be Carnage spoiler free. Uh, We're going to go see June in the next week or so as well. We're planning on watching Eternals. So we've done lots of ones for those but we've also done some old school stuff like the Blair Witch Project, the Halloween movies, Don't Breathe, uh, and also things like little miss sunshine like loads of different things bits and pieces here and there uh, and we're getting near the end of ted lasso so we'll probably do one of that as well so if you want some additional content you want to listen to my voice even more you want to hear more about megan because me and megan although we talk about tv and movies we get sidetracked a lot so if any of you regular listeners like hearing megan's voice and you want more of that the only way to get that is to become a patron supporter as i said one pound a month and you get access to the audio exclusive feed with all that additional content on there so, um, aside from that, guys, I'm not going to ramble on any more. Thank you so much for listening, as always. I appreciate each and every one of you, especially if you review, share, or support the show on Patreon. And, uh, you know, make sure you go over to, to YouTube and subscribe, please. It would do me the absolute world of good. It would mean the world. Even if you're not planning on listening on YouTube, it would just really help me out if you could. Uh, but aside from that, guys, I will be talking to you next week, probably with my conversation with Frank Burton. But uh, we will see. Anyway, I hope you guys have a good week, and I'll talk to you then.
0: You have just experienced host, creator, everything else of Genuine Chit Chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.